Hello, Hyrule! Welcome to episode four. This is the premiere Legend of Zelda Travelogue podcast. I am your host, co-host, Pete. And I am your co-host, Chris. Do you think that we should start saying, like, uh, travel guide? Oh, that's actually, yeah, that that's a much better idea. Each episode we trade off, one is the driver and one is, like, the tour guide. Sounds good to me. So last time we spoke, we had finally completed the wing ceremony that we had been so excited to get to for three episodes. We went on a little day trip with our good friend Zelda, and we casually got smacked in the face by a looming black tornado. Typical standard day if you're in school, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's just like a big metaphor for the average teenage experience. It's puberty, yeah. The, the tornado is getting hit in the face. Well, with... let's not, if we're talking about a metaphor for puberty, let's not talk about what the tornado represents. <laughs> so after that point, we wake up in our room at nighttime. Do I remember that right? I think so. So you, yeah. Yeah, You. so you wake up. I guess the idea is Link has been conked out for a period of time. And Gaiporo is there standing over you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, you know, you give him the rundown, which this is something Skyward Sword does that I appreciate a lot. Because there's been different uh, iterations of the story that try to address why Link is a silent protagonist. And I think it was the most recent one where it's like, oh, he's inherited the memories of all the other Links and it like breaks his brain so he can't talk anymore or something Wait, is that implied in any game really i could be okay pulling this out of thin air but i'm pretty sure i heard this in breath of the wild oh that's that's insane okay yeah but in this one they don't say that at all they actually show link like talking yeah. but you don't hear yeah, he him. just talks. like he mo- he gestures and moves his arms like you know i'm pretty sure it's the same in twilight princess though again i really didn't play too much of that so we'll see soon enough god i can't wait to get to twilight princess i haven't played that in so long but yeah no uh Gepora seems pretty chill about this actually about his daughter being missing. yeah so you tell her that she was talking about the surface that she was curious about it and that you've been having dreams of some great mission he seems concerned for about five seconds and then he pretty much just goes to reassure link listen as long as she has a loft wing she's going to be okay wait for the sun to come up and we'll figure it out in the morning which seems (laughs) psychopathic but that's fine everyone copes with stress differently uh i don't know if he's coping with stress at all he seems completely okay with the fact that his only well presumably only child is missing like in the night so as you can imagine with Gaiporo telling Link to wait for the sun to come up. The first thing you do when you control Link is you don't wait for the sun to come up. You immediately go and explore outside of uh, Link's room in the dorms. And you see a mysterious figure in the distance in the hallway. You see a mysterious figure. How would you describe this uh, uh, armless wonder that we're seeing here? So, like, imagine if the Blue Man group was (laughs) not about three male musicians but was more about like an armless uh, <laughs> Go on. ballet witch, I guess. Yeah. An armless ballet witch is fairly succinct, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I, like, I like the design of this character. I think it's perfectly fine. And so we see this person and they do speak to us, I think, momentarily. It's like, oh, follow us. And they sound like, because normally people have a different voice clip that plays when they're speaking to you. But this creature has like a, like a robot talking backwards almost. Yeah, this definitely sounds like the Animal Crossing thing of like they took an audio clip of 
a sentence and then chopped it up and did some fun techniques to it. Which is great because this voice ends up being one that you hear a lot throughout the game. You are walking around at night. No one is around as far as I recall. You get led out of the building through the upper floors and uh, you're led across, you know, half of Skyloft back to the goddess statue. But not through the main entrance, right? Because you have to... Uh, uh... Yeah, you, you follow a path, I think, somewhat behind the statue. And there's this interesting moment of like, oh, there's multiple paths. And one leads to a treasure. It's kind of like a dead end. Then another one kind of brings you, I think, behind it and inside. Now, there are three things that I'd like to address, you know, as we're running around out here all by our lonesome. A good reason that there's nobody out right now is that at night, monsters come out. Not just come out, but they also inhabit the creatures that are already out. Oh, is that what's going on? Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it in a previous episode, but remlets literally get possessed by demons at night for some reason. They're possessed? Yeah, yeah. There was a note in, in one of the books. I think I mentioned this in the previous episode, but there's a note in one of the books that mentions that they get possessed by demons at night. <laughs> Well, I hate that. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, these are terrible little, you know, evil cat creatures. But now they're just incredibly tragic. Mm-hmm. They become violent at night under the influence of demonic energy. Oh, no. Okay, so that explains point two that I was going to bring up is that Remlitz, who I love so much during the daytime, become an absolute terror. But the third thing that I'd like to bring up is something that I've been wanting to mention for the last few episodes. Similarly to how we have the stamina fruit. There's another fruit that grows here on Skyloft, naturally, which is the heart fruit. Oh, right. And the heart fruit is something that I personally have found so interesting since playing this game on this run. As far as I can recall, in previous games, you never see them growing anywhere or anything as like an origin of this item. Usually it's just been like codifying, uh, this is a health point that you're getting back from something, you know what I mean? Yeah. But similar to stamina fruit and bomb fruit, which we're going to get into later, heart fruit grow up from like these little tiny vines that seem to like, they seem to hover almost. The At the end of this vine-like stalk, this plump red like fruit seems to be dragging the rest off like it's full of helium or a balloon, you know? Yeah. And I just have to wonder like, has it always been this way? You know, because this is the first thing in the history. We never see these fruit, these, you know, plants anywhere else. But up here in Skyloft, people are growing them in their gardens, like next to their house. These things, they seem kind of like floaty and whatnot. And when you actually break the plant, the heart fruit will hover down gently as it's like deflating a little bit. And similarly, it's identical to the heart that enemies will drop elsewhere in the game, or they'll come out of pots or grass that you can cut anywhere else. They're everywhere. And this is how they've acted throughout the history of the Zelda franchise. So I have to wonder, like, why? (laughs) Why heart fruit? And what is so special about heart fruit that they are everywhere? So is it, you say heart fruit, is it that the fruit, because I'm trying to remember the design of this thing. It's, been it's a just while. a little heart. It is a heart on the tree? It's not a tree. It's it's like a little, like a, uh, it almost looks like a flower. Right. Okay. I just pulled up a picture. Right. Yes. Now I see it. It's literally just a heart where you would expect the rose, like the, the flower part of like yeah. a rose or a tulip to be. Yeah. 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 And if you kill an enemy, this is not just in this game, but in all future games, if you kill an enemy, they will drop a gently floating heart fruit. Mm-hmm. That's it's what it's been the whole time. Uh, retroactively, this game decides that it's been heart fruit the entire time, even if you never see those plants anywhere else in the future. 
But I have to wonder, what do these monsters want with heart fruit? I can explain maybe if it's in a jar that you broke because like, oh, somebody had a heart fruit. They really want to save it for later and they put it in a jar. You find it in tall grass. Maybe it was like the beginning of a plant that was growing there also. But like, if it's a monster, then they drop <laughs> this delicious floating fruit out of them. So I have to assume that monsters also love the taste of heart fruit too. Sure. It's a taste. Okay. Treat. They love the juice. They love that juice. And I love that mm -hmm. juice. You love that juice. Everybody loves it. That's why they're all over the place. People here grow it in their gardens. And uh, then that got me leading to the question of like heart pieces and heart containers and stuff like that. Are those just thermoses for the juice? Oh, like a, a no. No? I mean, oh, <laughs> oh God, you're breaking my brain. I, I wish I was prepared for this question. I solved Zelda. I did it. I solved Zelda. You've, you've, you've completely stumped me in i think as many as many times as in as many episodes that we've had now. <laughs> so to assume so okay i was willing to accept like okay the fact that this is shaped like a heart is a coincidence this is just a refreshing piece of food that characters eat <laughs> and they feel revitalized that's fine but the idea that a, a heart piece is just a container that contains whatever juices or mm -hmm. you know whatever you eat from this uh -huh. but has such a tremendous effect or a tremendous change to Link, right? Like it literally grows him as a person. That that seems like way too much of a jump. There's got to be something else in there. Well, that's the thing. That's got to be that's got to be the good stuff. Well, here's the know? thing. You got full if you got full 20 heart containers, right? Mm -hmm. Then if they're full, all those containers full of that juice, that good good juice that we all love. And uh if you get hit, you don't see it, but Link is taking a sip from one of his thermoses, okay? <laughs> and that's what immediately patches them up every single hit is enough to oh so it's like an unspoken fairy in a bottle yes yes exactly that's very yeah, interesting see, i got stabbed in the gut better have a drink <laughs> better yes better have a drink and that will uh heal this absolute and flesh it wound. makes sense for like the um, the cartoonish amount of damage link is able to sustain because you know you get stabbed mm. through the heart several hundred times and you don't go down i'm pretty sure you know uh, uh, the ringing you get when you only have a little bit of like the red left in your heart containers. Mm -hmm. That's like, oh no, I don't have enough juice left. I'm going to die soon. That's him taking an empty container and just kind of <laughs> shaking it left and right, seeing if there's any drops left. That's what we're hearing. Exactly. It's just the empty container. <laughs> we're hearing the clanking of all of the empty containers that he has. Oh, in his that's inventory. a good way to put that too. I like that. Over and over and over and over again. I can't stand that they that that has to be a recurring staple, but that's for another conversation. Yeah, you know what? You you sold me. That's a completely ridiculous it's theory, the juice. but I kind of love it. Now, it's the juice. The obvious question, Chris. <laughs> obvious. What? Please give me an obvious one after that. What does that taste like? Uh, so are we talking about the juice or when you eat it from the heart fruit? I'm think well, I mean, I think it's the same thing cuz my my assumption is that like the juice of a heart fruit is like entirely in there it's almost like a like a water balloon like a floating water balloon of like red deliciousness a water balloon of red deliciousness yeah mm -hmm. i was thinking like i'm not gonna say a gusher a third time no i promise i'm not an adult child <laughs> uh, i was thinking it it like looking at it it looks it reminds me of a strawberry hmm. like just the heart fruit itself like texture wise you get through the texture of the strawberry the waxy exterior fruity juiciness yeah 
but you get the juiciness on the inside. Okay. I mean, obvious, you could say peach, because it just looks like a... <laughs> it looks like a butt. It looks like a peach. It looks like a butt. <laughs> or fruit punch. This, that's a good one, too. Now, here's the thing. This, this might sound like a bit of a cop-out, but I have a reason here. Because everything in this world seems to have an interest in uh, heart fruit and heart containers that have, you know, the juice in it and whatnot, like everything down to like a skeletal floating head, okay, has this on it at points. So my assumption is that heart fruit juice or whatever has to taste like every being's favorite thing. Uh... Is it that, or have they accepted the sustenance that it provides outweighs whatever they feel about the taste? Oh, so like uh, uh, Astelfos, for example, would take a bite out of this and they'd be like, oh, I hate this, but it's good for me. You can't convince me that Astelfos enjoys eating anything but like pure bugs. (laughs) Hmm. I guess that's possible. Wait, you're talking about... Or you know what? I think I can see like Stelfos... They just love drinking gasoline. I can see them gathering around a table and just drinking bowls filled with gasoline. <laughs> Stalfos? Are we talking about the same creature? Yeah, the skeletons. The skeleton knights. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> then I will, uh, <laughs> I'll take that into consideration up until we find the first one. Yeah. Uh, just chugging a chugging. I mean, a big... that's why they do all those crazy moves at you. They're because drinking they've been gasoline constantly. Chugging mason jars full of gasoline? Mm-hmm. okay fair enough and that's why we never have vehicles in the future exactly and and that is explicitly stated in the games it's in the hyrule historia there you go <laughs> uh i don't know why case... i thought we'd get through this episode in 20 to 30 minutes oh <laughs> uh, nope no way no not not when i'm busy solving zelda thank you yeah yeah nice work there in any case we climb up a couple of different floating rocks that are kind of auxiliary to skyloft itself you know jumping from vine to vine making our way up in uh we're not like in jammies or anything are we like link only has the two outfits yeah this is just the not hero clothes outfit okay okay and uh he makes his way up finally back to the goddess statue which at first i didn't realize that's where we were headed i was like oh wait uh, i couldn't i just go the normal way but in any case you get there every now and then being led by this spirit ghost witch ballerina and um you make it to the entrance well you make it to the base of the statue and just seamlessly a entrance opens up in the front where once there was a wall suddenly there is not a wall it does not crumble or anything it just kind of fades i have in my notes that it gave me like a the great deku tree moment vibe in the beginning of ocarina hmm. the moment when you first enter kind of i mean upon like rewatching this clip for the show it kind of uh-huh. didn't give me the same vibe but yeah anyway we get inside the goddess statue and this creature says something along the lines of i've been waiting for you you'll be you'll play a role in a great destiny i was created for a single purpose long before the recorded memory of your people you must take up this sword as the one chosen by my creator it is your destiny and that seems pretty straightforward yeah if you're playing a zelda game but like just take into context for a second you see this ghost (laughs) <laughs> this pupilless, you know, featureless face ghost that kind of just leads you through the night and says, oh, hey, pick up this weapon, please. Yeah. And then she 
goes into this thing that's kind of a recurring thing for her where she says my projections indicate that this information has a high probability of altering your current emotional state um so like she manipulates you with like she knows what you want to hear mm-hmm. and she says it to manipulate what you're going to do it's like this very robotic she, sort of well outlook for this character she's an ai i mean we can we can like you know go and back and forth on like actual dialogue that this character gives you which by the way we can probably just you know uh, sum up this is phi in the sword and also is the sword but not because she can be outside of the sword okay and <laughs> uh, which by the way is the name of the blade i haven't actually written this part down the name of the blade is the skyward sword no i, th- I think it's the goddess sword the goddess sword okay gotcha and so the goddess hylia which we mentioned last time left this sword here for the hero which is presumably you and the sword has installed on it an ai which is phi or fee which is i love that idea i think that's a a totally cool sci-fi idea that doesn't really fit with the rest of the game but like okay why not i mean she also uh fi also has like this this kind of demeanor that comes out every now and then whenever you're talking whenever you know you and another uh, organic are speaking where she doesn't have a lot of respect for the way that organics live or, or how they behave right like social awareness yeah something like that like, I have a note <laughs> in my notes that just says, Fi ain't happy with sloppy human memory. You know, like, she's two seconds away from calling you human meatbag. You know, one of those characters. Yeah, that's a good point. And so the long and short of it is that Hylia left Fi and this sword here kind of as like a tool for the hero to resurrect like a dead world, almost like terraforming it in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, although mm, a lot of that doesn't come to fruition. It's mostly like, hey, just go to some temples. But, you know, we're receiving the standard ancient civilization spiel where it's like, oh, like I'm ancient technology. I'm very advanced. But now I'm in this fantasy world and you're going to use me. And what we're going to learn is like the goddess statue that we're in is actually like a beacon tower for passage below the clouds. And our job as of now is to venture below the clouds. That should actually help us rescue Zelda and also the world. No big deal. Yep. As you're having this conversation, Guy Porra walks in and <laughs> That's basically... His reaction's got to be great. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I had a suspicion about this, but okay, that, that makes sense. He mentioned something about like, uh, I was foretold the youth of legend would one day appear. And I just love that that saying, the youth of legend. Like, could it be him? The youth, the legendary youth? This. Like, <laughs> what a weird way to use that word. Which, if this dude's been waiting for so long for someone recognizes the legendary youth, is he looking forever or just until he is old enough to think of younger people as youths? Yeah, exactly. Also, we're all chasing that legendary youth after, after a certain age, aren't we? Also, just to reiterate... 
this dude is not phased by anything. No, it kind of reinforces the fact that earlier his daughter gets kidnapped and he's fine. Yep. Like, this is all just like, yeah. Oh, okay. des- oh my daughter's gone? Oh, cool. Oh, uh, magical destiny? Oh, sweet. That's, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, in any case, we are in here for not all that long, to tell the truth. We're told we're going to stop the oncoming apocalypse, which I'm pretty sure that already happened. But, you know, potato, potato. Yeah, yeah. He mentions uh, legend told when the light of the goddess's sword shines bright, the great apocalypse will wait from its long slumber. And like between Phi and Vipora, you're basically told you're going to have to fight off the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, can you imagine the day this kid has just had? <laughs> he just grad like in the span of 12 hours probably Mm -hmm. maybe 24 he was the one kid who graduated right the highest of highs the one kid in his class who got to graduate and then the lowest of lows you literally have to fight off an apocalypse that we cannot fathom and have not seen in our lifetimes presumably he's being told of this while he's still nursing a concussion yeah Uh, yeah fair point recently he ran all out of juice and he you know was technically dead for a minute until he got more and now he's, <laughs> you know, they typically don't show you what happens after one of those college sports movies. Like, oh, they won the big game because that's what Link's morning was like. And now he's mm-hmm. being dropped in the middle of a completely different story. Yeah. It's like if you won the Super Bowl, but then later that day you were shipped out and deployed to fight in like a world war. All right, Peyton, uh, I appreciate your work during this uh, this year's Super Bowl, uh, but it's time, you know, put on this uh, this military gear. We're going to ship you off. So Gaipora says, in living memory, no one has ever breached the surface beneath the clouds, which I guess makes sense based on all the conversations that happen. Well, yeah. But it just seems so wild. Like, you get so used to just going up and below and above the clouds throughout the course of this game that the idea that no one's been able to just get on their bird and fly down I know that you have to do a thing now that allows you to, but it just seems like such a simple thing to have not been able to do. Well, I mean, up until this point, people have still like professed that the surface is like a myth and doesn't exist, right? To your point, you're going to be going up and down from the surface and back to the clouds constantly, but still there are going to be people who you speak to up here who are not going to believe or understand it at all. There will be people who will be like, oh no, I dropped this thing off the top and it fell through the clouds. I'm never going to see it again. The surface doesn't exist. All right, I go down and get it and bring it back up to you. It's like, what? That's impossible. How do you have it? And like, that just keeps happening. Like no one communicates with each other. It's like, oh my God, Link brought me my stupid pinwheel back again. And now I can have my terrible game that I run. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Some of the things that you go to the surface to find for people who have dropped it off of their sky island are like literally made of glass, yet they don't break. Nope. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's kind of like flat earthers, uh, but for Skyloft. A little bit, like, uh, actually. No, no grounders. No. <laughs> Anti-surfacers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anti-surfacers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after this point, I think you just go back to bed, right? So you get a emerald tablet from Phi. Oh, that's right. And it's the first, it's one of three pieces, right? So another trope of The Legend of Zelda is like, you'll get three of a thing and then you'll get like five or seven of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like 
the three of a thing in this game is these emerald uh, emerald tablets. It's it's different tablets that have different colored stones in them. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a total of three of these. You hit this crest within the goddess statue with a skyward strike, which is a, a, a charged shot. It's described as a blast of pure energy that charges your blade when you lift it skyward. I thought it was kind of cool that they like explain this like not every zelda game explains why sometimes link's sword has a projectile to it but yeah you basically hold the wii remote up in the air for a period of time it lights up and then you fling it forward and it just shoots out it's like a strike too so like if you throw it forward horizontally or vertically the projectile will uh shape itself accordingly I love that so much where they work that in much like the regular attacks with the Wii Motion Plus. So like if you want to hit someone from far away at a certain angle, you can do that. But what also took me a while to figure out is that you can do that with stabs as well. If you want to just shoot like a straight laser, just stab it and it shoots a much smaller, narrow one. I don't know if I've ever done that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. One of my favorite thing about the 2D Zelda games that's not always shown in the 3D Zelda games is like you get the Master Sword. Or you, you get, you know, sometimes just the sword you, you have. At full health, you'll be able to shoot a projectile. And it feels like a more powerful attack. So for them to kind of give it that little extra bit of story in this game. I, I think I remember Ocarina of Time doesn't really do the projectile sword at all. And I think Majora's Mask does with the Fierce Deity. But that's such a small endgame yeah. thing. It's like... You don't get to feel powerful like that. I mean, especially considering you rarely get to use the Fierce Deity Mask outside of like boss fights, which don't get me started on that. I'll go all day. We'll have an opportunity for that hopefully soon. But yeah, so so that's pretty much it. You get that. And the tablet opens a rift in the cloud barrier. And we have our companion. Fi is going to travel with us within the sword. You could press down from this point on to summon her. So this is like the Navi or the tattle of Skyward Sword. Navi, Tattle, King of Red Lions, mm-hmm. uh, Midna, etc. Ex- you know. Yes, exactly. And Gaipora says, hey, please see the legend through, bring back my daughter. Probably the most concern he shows at all up to this point. <laughs> and He sobered up in the morning. Oh, actually, it's worth pointing out. At this point, he tells you to change into the uniform that you were to receive for winning the competition. <gasps> yes! Which is Link's hero clothes from later games. The, the green uniform. Standard the windsock hat yeah and it looks great in this game i think it it looks much better than the first uniform you get absolutely he mentions oh that green uniform is what our knights will be wearing this year and i wasn't really sold on the color but seeing you in it makes me feel good about the choice now this raises a lot of questions okay this is what our knights will be wearing this year. Mm-hmm. You are technically not a knight yet, first off. You're just in the next level in your learning to become one, right? And green just happens to be the color this year. And you're the only person who made it this far. So only one person a year gets a different color. Oh, that's... But there are still other knights. And none of them wear the same color from each other, as far as I can recall. Right. Like Pippet and Karain wear different colors. Yeah. Yes, they wear different colors uh, for sure. I've seen a blue one. I've seen a gray one. I got the impression it was like the upcoming color. And like they were still finalizing the details, but you're you're getting the sneak peek. Oh, I see. Okay, so this is the one. Do you think they can like interchange the ones that they receive later? Like everyone's going to receive one. Pivot's going to receive a green one later too. But if like his is dirty, he can just change back to the yellow one because... Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I'm just wondering because like the ones that I see around town and in the school all have have a unique different color from the, the others. Yeah, it's kind of implied in the way he says this that they all will be wearing this color. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's no consistency with the knights out there and what they're currently wearing. That's a good point. Something else that I noticed that I got a little bit frustrated by is that the knights outfits are gendered because the rest there are some who have the sock hat like link usually has mm-hmm. but then there's Corain who has like a beret right and all i could think when i first noticed that i was thinking i want a beret yeah it's a, it's a good beret agreed what if i'm running around like that would be great like I, that's part of one of the outfits that i loved from breath of the wild is where like you're an elite guard or something mm-hmm. and who knows maybe that came from here you know yeah yeah, that's a good point. Just the flexibility in out in outfits in general in Breath of the Wild is such a vast improvement. I think if we ever make it to Breath of the Wild, we're going to have to have a segment just for like fashion corner. <laughs> I wonder if we'll do Triforce Heroes also in that regard. We <gasps> would have to bring it back for that. That would be great. That would be great. I would love to do that. Yeah. So after that, basically, you're kind of off to the races. A beacon opens up in the sky, and you jump on your loft wing, and you are going to head down to your first area, the sealed grounds, which we will be discussing in the next episode, along with Farron Woods. Along with Farron Woods. There is something uh, in this area I would like to address, though, Mm. just in the broad sky area. Like, we're not going to be addressing all of the different businesses and whatnot, like the Lumpy Pumpkin or Dodo's uh, game show that he runs. As well as the bazaar, we're going to be saving that for a local businesses episode. Mm-hmm. But there are other things as well, like there are certain islands that you can go to where, well, first off, there's much smaller little uh, like asteroids floating free, like presumably broke off from Skyloft over the years that have like, I guess they're they're basically Octoroks, but... I don't remember being able to scan one at any point to get a name or description. Right. Just like rocks floating around in the big, big rocks that you can land on floating around in the sky. Kind of makes me wonder what Octoroks subsist off of in order to like live in such a terrain. But there are also these other creatures that I wasn't even aware of until playing it this round that hover around certain islands. I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not going to get too much into other places you can go to, but they float around and make these rings together where if you fly high enough, they'll make a ring underneath you that you can try and like land through, kind of like skydiving. Huh. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about specifically. Oh, you don't? Is it the thing that looks like the dragons in Breath of the Wild? Are you talking about those guys? Dragons? No, no. Oh. Um, it, They're not like long things. They're, they're small little multicolored creatures that join hands uh, together to make a ring Whether if, if you're falling from a high enough distance. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking. They they appear underneath you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's adorable. I had no idea about that. It is. It's It's, it's a fun little thing, yeah. I wonder what they are. They've got to have a name, right? Probably, but we can figure that out later. Let's figure that out before the next episode. One more thing that I wanted to bring up about leaving Skyloft, (laughs) and this is a pet peeve of mine just from a gameplay standpoint, is that if you want to leave Skyloft, you can't just jump off of any edge that you want and call your bird. You have to jump off of a dock. Yeah. And they're scattered around. There's a lot of them, but at the same time, like, I want to be able to, like, if I decide right now I want to go and I have the freedom of jumping off and calling my bird, just let me do that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I mean, you and I both know that's probably just technical limitations. But imagine if we want to dive into the actual going too crazy with the lore. Can you imagine how stressful it would be for every bird 
if it was fair game for their you know heroes to jump off any area of any island and just say (laughs) pick me up right now at least at least here they're like okay i could center myself underneath the island here and i know they will either jump off there or there so i'll just keep an eye out in those directions okay so maybe it like prevents traffic air traffic yeah, right yeah exactly okay i guess if it's in world i can kind of get behind that but still from a gameplay point that kind of sucks <laughs> yeah there are some things about in a similar vein like when you are flying around in in the world hub area and you dive off into skyloft there's always a loading screen right before you land on skyloft that i i just wish wasn't there it's not even a terribly long load it's like a few seconds mm-hmm. at least on the wii u it's a few seconds but like if this game was made, you know, in the past five years or so, I feel like that that load probably wouldn't even exist. All of the stuff would just be loaded into memory. And... Could you imagine? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that they uh, again, like I'm not a big defender of the Wii. I didn't love a ton of things on the Wii, but this is a fairly impressive game that oh, came yeah. out on the Wii. I, I do think in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose also that loading wall is something that prevents you from trying to jump on top of the bazaar or the goddess statue. (laughs) I guess so, yeah. Although I will say the game does a fairly impressive job of like, if you dive down from like very high up in the sky and you try to land in a general area on Skyloft, the game will usually drop you down pretty much where you are attempting to land like usually it's not one one to one but it'll usually be pretty close yeah i would say i'd say that's true asterisk there's there's a big pretty big margin there sure sure In any case, I think there's one last thing we need to address before we wrap up here. And this is something that I've been meaning to do, you know, for the last couple episodes, but like Skyloft being multiple episodes kind of made this weird. So I'm thinking by the end of each, you know, location that we visit, we should give it like a a, a proper rating each location. I think that's in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise we may not be doing justice to the whole travelogue conceit that we're trying to get going here. Sure. Yeah. So what locations do we have to to rate here? Because we've got the school. We've got the goddess statue. We've got the town area. We've got the general town area, like including residential, I suppose. We can always rate that graveyard. (laughs) I would include the graveyard with residential personally. Okay. Okay. So first location, what rating would you give to the Skyloft Academy? Well... I mean, I feel like we've already dived pretty deep into the scam that is the way they take people's tuitions and only let one person <laughs> graduate a year. So we'll set that aside for now. Uh-huh. I don't think that 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 will be minus one point. That being said. Now, hang on there, Chris, because uh, consider like the amount of people who are graduating versus how many people actually live in Skyloft. Yes, yes. That's a yeah, so like for yeah, to the best of my memory, there are two children in Skyloft and one baby. And even if all three of them try to become, Sky, you know, knights in this school, there will be room and board for them. I don't think that's a fair reason to not let people, you know, shine and move forward and to keep taking, you know, <laughs> well, I guess we're assuming that people pay tuition in Skyloft. Maybe that's a bit of an assumption. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... 
I think the school itself is a nice, big, open school. It's pretty clean. There's some, like, moss on, like, the exterior gates. Yeah, that's true. It's a little dated. It's like there there are those weird large boxes all around the exterior of the school also that are just perpetually there. That's true. Which isn't great. It's also weirdly easy to break into the top of the school and get into the dormitory area, which is very <laughs> problematic. Security is not top-notch. So I would say it's a solid 7 out of 10 7 out of 10 yeah okay we're going on a 1 to 10 rank ranking i can go with that sure 10 what i don't know oh uh 10 we'll figure it out before the next episode <laughs> okay so then should i ask you what you think of the school yes absolutely Do you have differing opinions okay so what, what are your opinions on i i may actually put the ranking of the school a little bit lower maybe give it like a six or a five based on like because you made some valid points but there is something that we did not bring up while there is a very large you know kitchen area that you know serves everybody there is only a single bathroom oh no whole school whole school that includes all the students that includes all the teachers who also live on the premises isn't it like two half bathrooms like one toilet area and one shower area there's one toilet room a toilet closet and a toilet closet yeah. there's one toilet closet and there's one like bath bathroom where you take yeah, a bath yeah 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 that's terrible you could tell which one of us dormed in college and which one of us didn't because you immediately identified <laughs> that as a very big problem whereas i oh, didn't yeah. even think about that if you are living at school the bathroom situation is vitally important okay all right so you said six out of ten i would give it a six uh it could be a lot worse i've (laughs) especially as far as video game schools have been like if you visited like the school in viridian city in pokemon red and blue (laughs) like it it Uh is a box (laughs) sure but regardless of that i think it's okay like especially if you are a excelling student that does well you're in and out of that place you don't have to stay there very long absolutely if you know the basics of how to jump how to climb and how to fly your bird. You should be able to get yeah. out of there pretty easily. Chris, minus the flying, you and I would do so well. Turn your head. A plus. <laughs> All right. So on that note, what would you rate then the general town area, which involves the houses, the lakes, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. What are we thinking? Waterfall cave? Uh, Waterfall cave. Yeah, that comes with it. You know, those those townspeople don't get to turn their lights off at night and pretend that the waterfall cave full of monsters doesn't exist. So I mean, (laughs) they don't have to pretend because the monsters come out at night. So they that's a very good point. If an area of like monster inhabitants is something that you have to plan like with your family and whatnot, which, by the way, doors not locked. You can still walk into everybody's houses at night. But then again, you don't really see a choo-choo or a key opening a door. <laughs> but anyway, if you're factoring if you're factoring that into where you're living in Skyloft, then like you have to know absolutely certain like the knights who are patrolling your area. So if you, especially in a place like live in a place where the knights are trained, and so they're everywhere around here. So how highly does the monster factor? you know, play in when you're ranking this place. That's going to be subjective. Whatever you think. Okay, okay. Uh, Given that I have never seen another knight fight a monster, not once, (laughs) not a single time, not ever, 
I'm going to say that it is not a great place to live. If you want your children also to get an education in the area, they have to go to a place where they're going to be fighting monsters. Not a fan of that also. Uh, otherwise, unless you're cool with homeschooling, that's fine. But yeah, just for the security and convenience aspects, I'm gonna rank that pretty low. Uh, I'll give it like a three. Ooh. A three, three out of 10. I can't believe how varied our our numbers are. <laughs> I, so I agree. I think the safety is the one thing that I'm dinging it for. But I love I love the way Skyloft looks like just as like a serene oh town. I think oh, it's, it's pretty. Like if it wasn't for the weird monster stuff, it's it's kind of like the perfect one. I, I give I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Two points off based on how poorly they handle monsters that are there every night. I might have addressed this in the wrong way because if we're a travelogue, this is like a place you are visiting right? If we're talking a place that's just scenic, then you are absolutely right, because this place is very gorgeous, like, the air must be crisp and clean and whatnot, I assume. No, like, all the pollution is down there, baby. So essentially, my rating that I gave just now was 8 out of 10. You might get stabbed if you go out at night, but aside from that, it's pretty great. It's a little New York City-y in that regard. Yeah, okay. I, I see. I see your concerns. I spent my whole life in New York, so... Okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll bring it down to a, a seven. <laughs> okay, all right, we're able to compromise. I'm cool with that. All right, so that leaves for last, probably the most tourist trappy kind of place that we're going to be naming here, which is the goddess statue. Can you imagine if there was like a little shop in the general goddess statue area where people are <laughs> selling tiny goddess statues? They sell little tiny goddess statues. They sell little carved birds, like the one that you have to catch, you know. Exactly. Hmm. I'm hesitant to rate this place very harshly because one, to my recollection, you don't really see monsters here that often. Although then again, I haven't really traveled here at night very much, but it's very pretty. It's very quiet. Uh, you get some good selfies up here, I think, if you angle it just right. You get the goddess statue from the bottom. Sure. I assume most visitors here would not be making it underneath to see, you know, the architecture underneath the statue. Sure. But I think generally for the novelty factor, that would probably rank pretty high. I'll give it like a seven. Okay. So I, I didn't want to interrupt, but I did learn upon rewatching, there's a hidden area on the side of the goddess statue, which is a remlet garden. And if you visit at night, they're all feral. <gasps> <laughs> so there is a little monster area like right there. Wait. It, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. What's... Yeah. It's like a, it's like a East, not Easter egg, but like it's a really hidden thing what is the remlet garden like during the day i think it's just a, a patch of grass i'm not even sure if remlets are there during the day oh but okay night, all... i thought you were gonna say it's like a dog park you go there and see a bunch of remlets hanging out i love that idea and that would bring if it's during the day and they're all just adorable and very sweet during the daytime i would bring this all the way up to a 10 that would be a 10 out of 10 yeah <laughs> i'm gonna give this a 5 out of 10 Ooh. because it's because it's half of a place it's a good half hmm but it is half of a place. That's very true. I mean, it's not really their fault. It's kind of like if you go to the, the leading tower of Pisa, it's like, it's it's tilted a little bit. I want a place that's standing up straight. It's like, it's an old place. What do you want? You know what? I'm going to bump that up to a six because it is a novel thing to see this very <laughs> important half of a place in the sky. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a cool moment, but it's still half of a place. And we will be visiting the other half of this place in the next episode. I legitimately can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah. In any case, that'll probably do it for this edition of Hello Hyrule. 
I hope y'all had a good time. I know I did. I can't wait to not talk about Skyloft. <laughs> well, no worries. Next time we're going to be, you know, uh, leaving our, our loft wings a bit. And we're going to be hopping down in that uh, that tour trolley. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think we've mentioned it in previous episodes, but I think the structure of the show is going to adapt a bit. The first four episodes were very lore heavy. And I think we're going to be kind of pulling ourselves back and just kind of exploring larger areas and less dialogue focused oh, things yeah. in the next few episodes. It'll be easier. So next episode, we're going to try to get the sealed grounds and the Farron Woods probably in one episode i think it's possible the entirety of Farron woods because that might be hard well we'll see we'll play it by ear if you see a part one on the next episode that means that <laughs> we were not successful fair point <laughs> um in any case this has been episode four of hello hyrule if you want to reach out to us uh we're all over the place at this point if you want to send us an email, we are at HyrulePod at gmail.com. If you want to find us on social, we're on most places <laughs> at HyrulePod, Twitter, Tumblr, Insta, uh, maybe Facebook if I feel like it. And wherever you listen to Hello Hyrule, be sure to leave a rating and review. That is the best way for us to find new listeners and expand. And uh, if you want to reach out to us individually on Twitter, you can find me at the edge of my Pete. I am a man named Babs. And that's gonna do it. Until next time, excuse me, podcast. Barf. <laughs> one of these days I'm gonna ask you to do one for me. Okay, yeah, let's see how that goes. <laughs>